My will, take my life, my silver, my gold, everything. It shall be thy royal throne. This is a day that I look forward to every year. Not because it's 70 and in January. No, it is because it's the day that I am able to look at the past um, of what God has done for the previous year and really cast a vision for the upcoming year, the current year. And so we're going to take a look back and we're going to take a look forward this morning and it's going to continue for the next couple of Sundays as we unfold what God has for us this year. Uh, So it's going to be a little different kind of service if you're here for the first time, uh, but I think that you'll be excited to see what God is doing. First, I'd like to begin with a ministry update, just to kind of give you a small, brief overview of what God has done this year. And so for the ministry update, we were going to look at numbers, and numbers aren't everything. But we do count important what we count. Uh, So we're going to look at and see these things and make sure that we are on track. First, we'll look at attendance. And I'm going to show for you this morning just the fall averages, which will be like September through December. And so the years that we're going to look at, starting for 2020, uh, 13, we'll go back and you'll see these as these numbers. Um, and you'll notice the things up or down and uh, coming back up again. We've had a, a location change in the midst besides this one. We went from the sawmill and uh, went to Younts, which is further out. And we saw some of um, the Bob Jones University students move away, although we have 30 or 40 that are just wonderfully committed. And we really do appreciate uh, their ministry in the body of Christ. But um, as you'll see in this next part of membership, uh, our membership has grown for as new members. And so we have uh, full membership and associate membership. Associate membership is generally um, tied with a student membership. But this year, um, largest so far in the last number of years, 34. So we've replaced some of that with uh, the students, with community people who are there, who are going to stay around. Now, some of those are students who graduated and who work in town, and we are so glad that they're here, continuing to be a part of the ministry. But God is continuing to grow uh, in his good graces. Um, finances, as we look at the, the numbers there, um, as we see as, one more tap, there we go, uh, that you'll see God has increased um, in finances, and God's been good. And uh, Even in 2016, the largest um, offerings that we've had, and Probably four of those Sundays we didn't take offerings because we were either in the park or we were having fellowship lunches. Um, so God has blessed in many ways. In fact, if you look at our online giving, it went from 23% to 28%. Those have switched. And so if you don't know about that, uh, let Richard Panton know or Catherine, uh, and they will be happy to tell you about that. But the one thing, so you can measure growth, what God's doing by membership and money, but I really love to measure it by engagement. Who's engaged in the, the body of Christ here? Who's taking an active part and role? And sometimes the engagement is, is a, a more fuller number than it is with uh, membership. In fact, we have quite a, a few, a number of regular attenders who are actively engaged, who may not be full members, but are actively engaged here in the body. And so we set out this year as a goal to increase the number of unique volunteers. Now, when I say unique, they're not odd. Um, these are different, different people, okay? So the, the number of uh, volunteers. And last year, in 2015, we had 95 different people who were serving in roles this year, uh, in that year. In 2016, 136 are out there. We, 
There's a few teens serving and like uh, doing offertories that may have may or may not have counted. I think I accounted for all of them, but there's a few there. And uh, so I'm going to firm up this number a little bit more here, and I'll, I'll give it to you in a week or so. Um, but those who volunteered filled 196 different roles in the body. I mean, think about that. There's a, there's a place for, and more, because we can, we can increase this, there's a place for at least 196 people to serve. And they would, if that's all they did, now you see there's some crossover, there's some people doing duplicate things, and some is just a matter of gifting. But if you were to say, there's not a place for me to serve at GBF, you would be mistaken. Because I'm sure if we worked hard, we can go further, farther, or more than 196 active places to serve. So we count engagement as those who are engaging in the body of Christ, who are serving one another. And so by God's goodness, uh, he's increased that uh, this year. So thank you so much for those who sacrifice time. Uh, for those who get up early and drive a truck to set it up, for those who go and cook meals for the Ronald McDonald's, for those who have helped uh, supply needs for orphanages, and I, that's one of the numbers I don't know that I have everybody in there, that have brought things to the church and for, for giving uh, across the seas. There are, are, there are opportunities, and I, and I thank you for taking um, serious the opportunities to serve in ministry in church. It's been really neat to see. It's one of the things that we, um, I guess from a, a perspective of, of ministry as a pastor, associate pastor, and, and those close in the leadership team, one of the things that we commented last week as we were away on our leadership retreat was just how many people were ministering to others without even having to be asked. To go widen a doorway so you can kind of get a wheelchair through, into the bathroom, which is always helpful, or, or whatever it is, just things that Mark or I didn't have to say, or any of the ministry leaders say, hey, would you go do that? But what is, what is meant by ministering the body of Christ is that we see a need, we fill a need, and we take care of it, no matter if we get recognition. recognition. And so thank you so much for serving. So that is, that really is the look back. And these are only numbers. And numbers tell part of the story. Numbers don't tell why. We see the result, but numbers don't tell the why. As you think about why we are here and why we serve, there is one primary focus for the believer and for Grace Baptist Fellowship. And that focus is the glory of God. That focus is the glory of God. Every fiber in our being as a blood-bought believer of Christ, as a follower of Jesus Christ, must clamor for God to be glorified. For God to be recognized and for his name to receive the fame and the glory that it deserves. We do so with our individual lives daily as we minister in the community, we do so as we minister together corporately in the body of Christ. As we minister to those across the seas, around the world, and our own community, across the state, and across our country. It is for the glory of God. That is indeed the why. And if we ever forget that is why we serve, we will be very poor in spirit. The glory of God the concept of glory of God, the glory of God is woven throughout the scripture. 
It is for us to, to follow Christ and to glorify God. That is indeed a distinct and great privilege of the child of God. What a privilege we have to, to glorify him, to live in such a way. And it is all because we have experienced Jesus Christ and his mission of redemption. As we sang this morning that Christ came to die upon the cross, that we might be redeemed, ransomed from our sin. The sin debt was paid. And it was that mission of redemption that Jesus came in his sinless state to to sacrifice himself for us. And that is the impetus of why we serve the glory of God. We see the glory of God displayed in the mission of redemption, and we indeed are called to that mission of redemption. It is now our mission. Paul says we are, we are, uh, we are to be ambassadors, we are to be reconcilers, bringing people to Christ that they may be brought to God the Father and reconciled to God the Father through Christ. And that is our mission. And we have contextualized it for us in, in GBF, and we say reaching souls and building lives in love. Reaching souls and building lives in love. And, and if, if you're not familiar with this, this is how we relate to the Great Commission. That reaching lives is the dual track, it's the going. And the building is the disciples, the making disciples of all nation, nations. And so it is the Great Commission that Jesus Christ has given to every disciple. Every one of us has been given that mission. It's not just for the pastor or leaders. It's, it's for every person who's a child of God. And it's that mission. And we do so, last year we added this word, in love. And the phrase, in love. Because that is the manner in which we go. That is the manner in which we disciple. It is the manner in which Christ reached down to us because of his love. He came and died for us. So we go, we live, reaching souls, building lives in love. And this has been and will be our mission as a church. That will never change. It's interesting, in, the life, in a life of a church, they say an ordinary church, and you're extraordinary, right? No. They say an ordinary church within three years begins to plateau. What happens in that third year? You get busy. You forget the mission of why we're there as a church. And if we forget the mission of Jesus Christ, we are no better than some social club. We come together, we, we shake hands, we, we sing, our, our, sing our theme songs, and we give to the corporate cause, and, and we go home and we feel good about ourselves. But that is not the mission of Jesus Christ. The mission of Jesus Christ is for us individually and corporately to come together and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We do this in fellowship with one another. We do this in fellowship. In fact, that is part of our name, fellowship. Um, how do you think of it as fellowship? What do you think of as fellowship? Uh, it, sometimes it's a, the thought is an activity before or after church. It may or may not have fried chicken associated with it, or lasagna and things like that. It could be... Uh, uh, gathering people around coffee, which is, or sports, fellowship. Well, the New Testament gives us a word that is translated um, in a great percentage uh, for us as this word fellowship. And it is the word uh, that you may or may not be familiar with, the word of koinonia. Word koinonia. And roughly a definition would be a close association 
involving mutual interest and sharing, association, communion, fellowship, other words there. Um, it is manifested concretely in a sign of fellowship, either as a proof of brotherly unity, a gift sometimes, a contribution, other times a participation together, and a sharing in things or in something. And in fact, as we, um, we more commonly use the NASB translation here, and so you have this translation as uh, the bluest fellowship, and you have sharing, you have contribution, you have participation. And this, all, this word koinonia is, is translated those words in our New Testament. And as we look at those words, I notice that there is a common, common thing. And, and as I've been studying and God has been working in my heart this, this year, um, the word together kept, kept coming back to mind. We, we fellowship together. Uh, we share together. We contribute together for a cause. We participate together. And so this year, I'm expanding our mission, our statement, uh, just by one more word. That word is together. Together. That word is placed in our statement, is reaching souls and building lives together in love. Reaching souls and building lives together in love. We do this in community together by God's great grace. We minister both individually and together. This morning, we're going to look at uh, the, the main together. And then next couple of Sundays, we'll look at the others. But we'll see over the next few weeks together in the gospel. The work, the gospel work that we are, to, we are commanded to come together and to fulfill that gospel work. We'll be together in unity. We'll see that unity is, is not all being the sameness. It's not uniformity. There's diversity in unity. And then we'll see together as family. But this morning, for the time remaining, I'm going to look at together in the gospel. I think there's a passage that really illustrates this, the use of koinonia, this word, in the in in the New Testament. And our ladies are familiar with this because they've been studying in Philippians. But in Philippians chapter 1, if you would turn to verses 3 and 6, Philippians 1, 3 and 6, um, Paul is writing. And Paul is writing to a church that he really had just only met them. Uh, if you remember the story of Paul in Philippi, the city of Philippi, um, he preaches and by the river Lydia and other women come and receive Christ. They follow Christ. But while there as he is preaching, um, after some time of frustration, a, a girl who is demon-possessed, his evil spirit is following them. And he, by God's grace and power, casts out that evil spirit from her. And she is whole and healed and, and well in her right mind. And that did not go over well with those who had used her because of the evil spirit to make money off of her. Hey, do these kind of neat things and weird things and people will pay money. So Paul and Silas are brought and beaten and to, to the magistrates they are beaten and they are tossed into jail. Uh, and before they are tossed into jail, they are beaten quite severely. And so as they are entering their accommodations for the night, they begin to sing and to praise God in the jail. And sometime along the night, God sends a great earthquake and shakes the whole city, but it particularly shakes the prison. The gates are opened 
The jailer is nervous, thinking that all of the inmates are going to be uh, running away and he will be blamed. And Paul says, we are all here. He utters that, that famous statement, Sirs, what must I do, the jailer does, to be saved? And so Paul magnificently betrays the gospel of Jesus Christ to him. The man's family is saved. He takes care of Paul and Silas as their wounds are being beaten. And to make the, to cut the story to the, to the chase, they, uh, the magistrates come and say, would you please leave our city? Uh, we didn't realize that you were Roman. And so please leave. And so that was maybe a day and a half after being released from prison, maybe two days at the most, he's on his way. And so now Paul, in prison once again, but this time we think in Rome, is writing this church that he has not had as much contact with as he would have liked. And he writes these words to them in the introduction as he's praying for them, as he's, he's calling out to, to God. He says, I thank God, my God, and all my remembrances of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. See how fondly he remembers? I love this about Paul. He loves the people that he ministers to with joy. He says, my prayers in view of your participation, your koinonia in the gospel from the first day until now. Verse 6 we're familiar with if we've read this uh, chapter. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And here it is, your participation in the gospel. Participation in the gospel. This church joined together to participate in the gospel work. The hallmark of this passage as Paul is writing is this classic use of koinonia, not only in fellowship, together, but in participation, in work, together for the sake of the gospel. It wasn't something that, oh, that's what Paul does. He is gone. Let's huddle. Let's take care of ourselves. It is because I have received the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm going to participate in sharing that. And there was a a noticeable work, a participation with them in the gospel work. What Paul had done, begun, they continued. Now, let me just stop here in a second and talk about the word the gospel. What is the gospel? It's a word that is translated from the Greek, euangelion, but the word is really good news. And it is indeed the good news of Jesus Christ and what he has done upon the cross. It's the good news that Jesus came. He lived a sinless life. He experienced everything as Hebrew wrote. Uh, Hebrews wrote in, read in our scripture reading this morning. Everything yet without sin. But then he died as the sinless, perfect sacrifice that he might pay our sin debt. But he didn't remain in the grave. He rose. He rose. God lives. And this is the gospel, the good news, that that this ransom, this forgiveness, this cleansing is available to all. Whosoever will may come. And this is the work that God does. And what a privilege and a responsibility we have to participate in sharing the gospel with others because of the work that has been done in our hearts. How selfish would we be 
to experience the great redemption of Jesus Christ, to be gloriously and magnificently saved, and yet not share with someone else. How much do we have to hate a person, as Penn Teller said, not to share the good news if we really believe it is the good news? And if an atheist can say that, understanding, not believing, but understanding what we claim to believe, we who know Christ, who have been saved by his great grace, have the joy and the privilege to participate in the gospel. And you notice they didn't stop because Paul says, and they continue from that day until now. It didn't stop. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was sitting and um, at coffee with someone, dinner, lunch with someone, and they asked me, uh, so when will your fellowship become a church? He wasn't trying to be mean or anything like that. And I, I paused and said, well, you know what? I think scripturally we are a church. But we're a fellowship together with believers because we're participating in the gospel. We are gathered together in unity and loving and caring for one another as family. This is, this fellowship is a church. But it brings to light for us the importance of never forgetting the why and the what that we are to be about. You see, GBF, Grace Baptist Fellowship, must, must continue to participate in the gospel. And it must be together our priority, not just a few, not just one or two, not just the leadership, or not just a certain segment who, who really have a passion for it, but together to participate in the gospel. For those who may not be as comfortable with sharing their faith, to go into someone who is and say, would you, would you go with me? Can we go together? There's somebody I, I'm praying for that I want them to hear the good news. Together starts with us as individuals. It really does. It starts right with me. It starts right with you individually to love the soul that is next to you. To see them not as an inconvenience and not as someone who honks the horn at us or who causes us to wait when we are in a hurry that slows us down or that cuts in line in front of us. No. Those are souls who are just were like us, who were rebels against Christ like we were, but we have the blessing of coming and having received Christ individually. See, the heart and the passion of Christ must burn within me and within you individually, first of all. And it must be cultivated. It must be watered daily by praying for those who need Christ. Sometimes it's easy to start with family. Sometimes it's not easy to start with family. We want to start with stranger because it's scary with family. They know us. There's a lot more responsibility. They've seen us live. But it's to love those around us. To have the passion and love of Christ individually, first of all. And then to come together corporately. When individuals continue, go together, they continue to encourage each other in the gospel work. And so we partner together. We pray together. We say, hey, will you pray for my friend, my family member who needs Christ? 
Will you be my partner in prayer? Would you together lift them up in prayer? You see, this is the mission of Jesus Christ. And this is the mission of Grace Baptist Fellowship. There is no greater mission. It's interesting. Uh, if you go back in the early church and you look at what happened. So, day of Pentecost, 3,000 saved. And you see them in Acts chapter 2 toward the end. They're meeting daily. They're in the Solomon's uh, portico. They're in the temple. Yeah, it's all about going to the, to the, the fierce place. They're in the temple telling them about Yeshua, who is the, the Christ. This is the Messiah. And then persecution starts and they're scattered. And they go from one uncomfortable place to another uncomfortable place. That they are now not national, ethnically the same as they were in Jerusalem. Now they're going to other lands where they're the outsider. Not only spiritually, but, but from nationality. And they go there and they continue to spread the love of Jesus Christ. And as Paul writes in Ephesians, they, they figure out the messy thing of people who have having hated one another before, now are in Christ, and they are now ministering together for the cause of Jesus Christ. And that is indeed what we must recapture or we can continue to have as the impetus of our lives. The love that we have for one another, strengthened and, and in grace infused by the love of Christ for us, and the love that we have for those who do not know our Savior as of yet. And this is our mission of reaching souls and building lives. But we have to do so together in love. Now it's this morning I want to ask you to do something. And if, if you are um, maybe just visiting as a follower of Christ, you can do this whether or not you ever come back here again. But I would ask that you would purpose in your heart. That you make this a matter of prayer and of purpose in your heart that we would, both individually and together, engage in the gospel work and the good news. That we would remember our salvation. We remember what Jesus did for us how he changed us. Remember that he has saved us and remember the hope that we have of an eternal future with God in heaven. And we would be called once again to make our purpose this gospel purpose. You see, we can do a lot of things in life. We can do a lot of things that are important at a time. For a time, they're important. We can have great plans and ambitions and dreams and desires of accomplishing great things. But as I had a guy tell me two weeks ago, he said, Stacy, when I enter into heaven, Jesus is not going to say, man, he's a web developer. Those were great websites that you built. He's not going to compliment me on how many apps I designed. He's going to say, how did you lead the people who work for you to know me? He's going to say, how did you disciple the believers around you? How did you influence your clients to know Jesus in a greater way? How did you lead your family? He said, this is a tool. My business is merely a tool. Your vocation, your schooling, your life, the talents, the ambitions, everything that God has given to you, and you say, I have my life ahead of you. 
ahead of me, and I want to do great things, there is nothing greater than the cause of Jesus Christ. There is nothing greater than the gospel work. And as we do the gospel work, God will use our vocation. He will use the talents and gifts, and he will give us a platform to lovingly show others for Christ. He'll use us in diverse and many glorious ways. But our mission must be reaching souls, building lives together in love. If we do that, when we enter heaven, he will say, well done, a good and faithful servant. Will your purpose to make Christ's mission your mission today? Let's bow for prayer. Gracious God, the conviction you have placed upon my heart the last number of months is not to be cold to the work that you are doing around me, not to let the busyness of life separate me from the souls that need to see Jesus. Oh God, all of us are busy. We fill up our time with many things, some good, some worthless. Oh Jesus, may we see, experience, purpose in our hearts, your mission for others. Father, may the light that you have revealed to us in the glory of Jesus be that light that shines from us to tell others. May you do such a work in our hearts and lives. May we marvel, we marvel at what you do because it's not us, but indeed it is you. Would you be glorified through us? May we be about the business of reaching souls and building lives together in love. For it is your glory that we seek. It is your name that we desire to proclaim. For you alone are worthy of praise. It's in Christ and I pray. Amen.